So Money Episode 1027, Gina DeVee, author of The Audacity to be Queen. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. There's always an opportunity to succeed. And you can't write a book called The Audacity to Be Queen and Crumble. So um, well, here, I'll just jump right in. You know, I had to practice on myself one of the techniques that I share in the book, which is um, no matter what is happening, I say this sentence, I'm, I'm thrilled this is happening because dot, dot, dot. Our guest today, Gina DeVee, is a women's empowerment and success coach. She has a new book coming out later this month, and she says while the launch of the book has been impacted by the health crisis, she is finding that the content is serving now more than ever as a guide for her and others to help through these uncertain times and all the stress. The book is called The Audacity to Be Queen, and in it, DeVee invites modern-day women to take ourselves off the back burner financially romantically, physically, and socially, and step into our greatness. The age of queen, she says, is now. Gina is an accomplished speaker, podcast host, business coach, and self-made multimillionaire entrepreneur. In our conversation, we talk about having clarity in your life right now, whether that's to make a big career move or anything, how to achieve goals with purpose and pleasure, how to make money, invest your money, and enjoy your money with fulfillment. Here's Gina DeVee. Gina DeVee, welcome to So Money and congratulations on your new book. Thank you, Farnoosh. It's a wonderful to be here. I'm, first of all, just so impressed with all that you have going on and how you are making it all work and thrive given the current climate. You know, I have friends that are launching businesses or books or other sorts of exciting projects, but that's all been kind of quieted or, or even delayed because of the coronavirus and the inability to really just go out there and connect. Well, I must admit that, you know, I waited 20 years to publish my first book and launching it during a global pandemic was not <laughs> my most- But there's no um, stopping you now, right? You have 21 years behind you that you're like <laughs> been waiting. It wasn't my most conscious vision. However, there's always an opportunity to succeed. And you can't write a book called The Audacity to Be Queen and Crumble. So um, well, here, I'll just jump right in. You know, I had to practice on myself one of the techniques that I share in the book, which is um, no matter what is happening, I say this sentence, I'm, I'm thrilled this is happening because dot, dot, dot. And I had to do that with this. I was like, Okay, I'm thrilled that my book tour got canceled because I'm thrilled media got canceled because I'm thrilled that I waited all this time to have my book in Walmart, Target, and airports, but nobody can go there right now. And it's just, it's beautiful what the uh, mindset can do in terms of, you know, when you ask better questions, you get better answers. And so, you know, I've, I'm thrilled this happened because now I'm, I'm totally focused online right now. I'm focused on podcasts. I'm focused on um, virtual groups that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to be in front of. And here's the real kicker. I'm like, at first I thought this was so horrible. Like, you know, my book, the thing got canceled. And then it's like, 
everyone's at home. So like, not only do I want to sell books, I'm an entrepreneur, but an author, but I want people to read the book. Like that's why I wrote it in the first place. And so now what, when have, when has the global population had more time to read a book than right now? So exactly. Whether you want to launch a book or a podcast or some sort of online offering now is actually a really great time. And you really believe that now is the age of queen. Tell me what you, how do you define queen? Yes. So what I love about the archetype of queen is she's not all feminine, but she's very feminine. She is the masterful blend of both the masculine and the feminine. And what I see for women like you and me and your listeners, like we're just going for it all and nothing is stopping us. Like we desire to have a great love life, great careers, great money, great bodies, great lifestyles. And so to me, that's very much what the age of queen is about. It's about all of that while having the impact that only you can have in the world. Part of what you have dedicated your entire career to is, and, and this is just part of it, because there's so much that you offer, is, is, is teaching women how to kind of step into this and to own their lives in all these realms, the romance, the physicality, finances. Let's focus on finances, especially given what's happening right now. A lot of people mm-hmm. have been out of work for many days, many weeks, could be months. And so how do you step into your financial queenness mm-hmm. in a time like this? So there's always opportunity. And though different industries, depending on what's going on in, in the world, will crumble other industries will always rise. And so there's always, you know, where, where one door is closing, there's another window opening. And, you know, I'll share with you from my own business and hopefully your listeners will be able to relate to this. So my favorite way to work is in-person live events. It's, it's my zone of genius. It's my happy plays, all that. And so many of my programs include a live event component that involves some kind of sexy travel and large group gathering, all that. Now, here's the catch. I have been getting little nudges in my intuition of like, you know, Gina, you need to have more uh, more online offerings. Gina, you need to, I've been wanting to do a membership site for a while. And I keep ignoring those nudges, right? Because I have said, oh, well, once the book launches or once this event is done or once whatever, dot, dot, dot. And now there's like, I'm now seeing how vulnerable my own business model is to have all of this live component in travel. So it's kind of like lovingly forcing me to set up a stronger business model where I'm not going to eliminate those other things. They'll come back when the time is right. But to have something that can be going no matter what in the online space. So I think that for anyone listening, if you're if you're the industry that you're in is crumbling or you're out of work right now, my guess is that you are being led to something even greater and possibly something that you've been ignoring because there's really never been a better time to be a woman on the planet. And we have access to the global marketplace at our fingertips and money can be made. And I think that I believe women know what they really want to do. Maybe now we've just been given permission to do it. It's a great reminder that we do live in a global world 
And mm-hmm. so we don't have to limit ourselves to just our community or just our existing community that we can go out there and find new followers and, and new customers and new audience members. Mm-hmm. Part of what your book, The Audacity to be Queen, touches on as well is how to, and I'm reading off your website here at divineliving.com, make, invest, and enjoy money with fulfillment and freedom. So let's talk about the enjoying money for a second yeah. here. A lot of us aren't doing a whole lot of discretionary spending right now. Although I will say I went to Target over the weekend to get some last minute necessities. But of course, I'm at Target, so I'm not going to just get necessities. I'm going to get all the <laughs> all the shiny objects that are only $2.99. And I bought some face masks and I just felt like I'm going to be confined to my house. So I can't go out there and get my manicures and my massages. I'm going to do what I can from home and I'm going to spend a little bit of money on it and it's going to be well worth it. Is that what you mean by sort of enjoying your money and in using your money as a tool to to create a little bit of fulfillment for yourself, whatever that means. A lot of it, of fulfillment. Uh, you know, one reason why I'm glad I have the archetype of queen and not monk is that the queen has a <laughs> castle and her royal roads. God bless the monks; they're important too. I'm just I'm just not one of them. Um, so the I really believe that women that people innately innately know what's best for them, and this kind of straitjacket that particularly women have gotten themselves in around money is it's not necessarily smarter and or more intelligent. It's it's and it is more unattractive. You know, you'd never see a man like standing over a pile of face masks being like, is it okay to spend the extra 10 bucks on myself today? Like men don't do this. And women are like literally still kind of energetically counting our pennies. And you know, I come from the philosophy of when you are feeling great, when you're taking care of yourself, that you're going to be so much more productive and very likely to go and make so much more money. So I I know that in my own life, that when I put myself in an environment that is pleasurable and joyful, and even if it costs more money, that I'm generating even more money from that place. But when I've been cheap with myself or stayed at the cheaper hotel and it feels icky and it's like, I don't want to go do my best work from that place and I'm not feeling fabulous. So I think that every woman needs to know what her value system is around that. And if it's whatever it is, it's time for women to give themselves permission to play a much bigger game. And that includes with money. Yes. Giving yourself permission, being good to yourself. So, so important. Great, great reminders. Gina, I want to learn more about your background, how you arrived at this epiphany that like that you, I really feel like you, for this, this is not just work. This is your calling. And how did you arrive here to have so much clarity, to have so much personal direction, intuition, all of it, and then to turn it into a business. I mean, is this what you envisioned for yourself always, or was there a rockier road before this? Oh, there was a, there was a rocky road filled with like Grand Canyon sized pitfalls and <laughs> jails and the whole thing. So, um, the short version is, cause I do write about it more in the book, but the short version is my parents were school teachers. So I grew up not rich, not poor. We lived in the suburbs of Detroit and I was just always taught, go to college, get a job. And there was sort of this like, be reasonable energy in the air. 
And so much of me was the compliant good girl. So I like, you know, was well behaved and did what the adults told me to do. Like the, the inside of me was this like rock star being that dreamed of living this big, fabulous life. So it was kind of this, you know, dual role that I found myself in as a little girl. And then growing up, I kind of um, did everything wrong before I found my sweet spot. So when I say did everything wrong, I let other people's voices be stronger than my own. My parents said, um, go to an in-state college because it's cheaper, even though I got into play, you know, somewhere where I really wanted to go out of state. Um, and I I was miserable there. And I finally um, left for me, it was Western Michigan University and went to Washington, D.C. and started like seeing what this bigger life was that I always craved. And I got an internship at the White House, the Supreme Court, Harvard's Institute of Politics. I worked there for a minute. And then I just saw what people who were up to big things in the world were doing. And it lit me up. And then because it was in Washington, I saw what people, scandalous people who were up to big things in the world were doing, and I got dragged through the trenches. So I um, saw the best and worst of what Washington had to offer, but basically then because of who I was working for at the time, became an outcast, went home, back home to Michigan, totally depressed. And I didn't know what to do with myself because I was used to going to like helicopter takeoffs and state dinners. And it just felt like such a fall from grace. Like what could possibly compare to the White House for me at that time? And then um, I started going to therapy and working on myself. And after a year, I still didn't know what I wanted. I was probably in my late 20s at this time. And then I decided to get a master's degree in clinical psychology because it was like a societally acceptable form of personal development for another year and became a psychotherapist. And I was always lit up by the idea of helping people. And I've always been lit up by the idea of transformation. And um, so then I became a psychotherapist and I didn't know that when I became a psychotherapist, it meant I became an entrepreneur. I thought, well, I have a degree and people are just going to come. And I had like $75,000 worth of student loan debt and credit cards had been racked up. And, you know, I was um, at a clinic where I was offering sliding scale rates. And basically at the I was living off of $24,000 a year. And at the end of a year and a half, I hated helping people. And, you know, that wasn't really true, except I was just burnt out. And so that's what it felt like. And I decided to move to Los Angeles, where it seemed like everybody was like rich and happy, and the sun was shining. And I became a life coach. Um, And from there, you know, in that sense, I do believe in geographical cure. Like I put myself in an environment where the sky was the limit and coaching was becoming the second fastest growing industry in the United States outside of technology. And there was a different wealth consciousness going on. And the internet was just starting to be used. This is like back in 2004 now, like for internet marketing. Um, so it was a long winding road of kind of getting it right because between Washington and being a psychotherapist, I was always excited about making the world a better place and helping people. But then I didn't have the business skills or the wealth consciousness behind me or the psychology around money. So I struggled for all of my twenties into my thirties. And then it was from that place that, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So I kept 
like just reading books and like educating myself on business and internet marketing. And then I really realized that it's your passion that drives you and you can make money on your passion. And my passion is twofold. It's about transforming lives and it's about living a fabulous lifestyle. Because truly what's going to keep you learning is the passion. What's going to help you kind of continue to, to do all the not fun stuff that is, that is uh, required of you as you're starting your business. I mean, last night, I'll tell you, I'm starting this YouTube channel and I'm learning from scratch. I'm passionate about video. I'm passionate about communication. I'm passionate about the medium. So guess what? I spent an hour just trying to watch tutorials on how to create my YouTube page. <laughs> like I couldn't even figure out how to like get the buttons to work. And, and I, whatever, I just spent that time. I could have outsourced it, but I wanted to learn it because I was passionate about it. So that, that encourages me, Gina, because I hope that I, I didn't waste time last night then. No, I spent many an hour on my couch kind of tinkering away until yeah. it came time to delegate it. It's fun, right? It's fun. I think everyone listening, it's fun to sort of purposely create new challenges for yourself, whether that's a creative challenge or professional challenge. You've got to always be like just pushing yourself a little bit and being a student again. It's really fun. Mm -hmm. So what was for you, Gina, a financial breakthrough? I, I'm understanding and I'm following kind of the trajectory to arriving at a place where you have the confidence to pursue this. But when did you feel like you had the financial confidence or maybe there was a moment there was, there, there was an actual moment. So I uh, will set this up with wanting doesn't count because I had wanted for well over a decade. I wanted to be debt free. I wanted to charge my worth. I wanted to make more money, but as long as my uh, mentality was, you know, you have to work hard for money and making money is really hard and it's only for an elite few and it's for other people and it's not for people in your profession. It really kept me um, really in the dark ages about money. And I was down to literally like a hundred dollars in my bank account with no known money coming in. And a friend invited me to a seminar and it was one of uh, Bob Proctor, the science of getting rich seminars. And I didn't know what that was. And it sounded really creepy to me. And it's like the science of getting rich. It was like, Oh, I, I didn't want that. I just wanted to be able to earn a living doing what I loved. And I didn't want it to be strategic or manipulative or like, I don't know. I was, I was totally weirded out by it. But when I got into the seminar, they started teaching wealth consciousness principles. And I had never even heard the term wealth consciousness before. So when they started saying there's no lack of money in the world and money is for everyone and there's no lack of clients in the world, like my brain was like, what? But my soul was like, yes. Um, it was like, they were saying everything that I always wanted to believe, but no one had told me before. And I just decided to just to go for it. I decided to believe it. And so when they were teaching these wealth consciousness principles, there was like something that happened to me. And I learned that you have to go from a want to a must. So it's like, you have to be come unavailable. Like, I'll speak for myself. I had to become unavailable to be broke. Like it had to be a decision and a decision means to cut. And so I made a decision that I would never again struggle with money. 
And I know that sounds super audacious, especially since I had like $60 in my bank account and was totally in debt. My credit was ruined. But I I just made this decision within myself, like no matter what it took, I was going to like solve this money mystery because money just seemed like a mystery to me. I was going to solve the mystery. And it was like if I was going to like learn Russian, like I, I was no matter how long it took, I was going to learn this. And so that's how I started to approach making money at that point. And the issue is that there was, it was like one of those multi-speaker events and people were like pitching their programs. And there was this woman who pitched a $17,000 program and another one who pitched like a $10,000 program. And I just, I knew that this was like my life saving. It's like, if you have a disease and someone has a cure, it's like, doesn't matter how much it is, like you're going to come up with the money. And that's what it felt like for me. I felt like lack of money was robbing me of my life. I couldn't contribute. I couldn't share my gifts and talents. So I learned all these like law of attraction and mindset techniques at the seminar. I didn't have like a list and a website at the time. So it was like, I I see myself with $30,000. I see myself with $30,000 and I would like visualize it over and over and over again. And I like imagine myself being coached by these coaches and the secret had just come out. So I'm like watching the secret. And at the time I was selling $6,000 packages in LA, uh, life coaching packages, which sounds super sexy, but not when you're selling one every like four to six months, not so sexy, <laughs> but I would just get to, I see myself with $30,000 in two weeks and in one week and five days and four days. It was like this, when the programs were going to be starting and my husband said, he's like, what are we going to do to you? If I was like, no, 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 I'm not even talking about anything else. This, this has to happen. And so in three days and two days, well, Two days before the deadline, I was working with one of my three clients at the time. And he said to me, thanks for the marriage coaching. This has been great. My marriage is better than ever. I want to talk to you about a different kind of coaching now. And I said, what's that? And he said, um, coaching my sales team. And I said, I was thinking like, I was freaking out. He's going to like find out I'm an idiot. I don't know anything about money or business or sales. And I said, well, what do you, what do you sell? And he said, basement waterproofing. And I was like, oh, dear God, um, I, you know, I didn't look that different than I do today. Like really universe, like a basement waterproofing sales manager. Anyway, and I just, I didn't say anything cause I didn't know what to say. And he said, what do I do by 10 of those $6,000 packages of yours? Cause that's how many are on my team. And I was like, that's exactly what you do. It was a miracle. That's for sure. It was my first financial miracle. But even, you know, from a spiritual perspective or even from a mainstream mindset perspective, you know, it wasn't a practical uh, financial solution. It wasn't even a probable one. And yet there's 7.8 billion people in the world. And when you market to consumers, you know, and have access to the global marketplace, there's all kinds of opportunity. So yes, I did take a spiritual approach because that was my, that was all I had at the time. But it's, you know, it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like spiritual in the sense that like the Red Sea parted, you know, it, it was like, this is like, there were 10 people, one person bought 10 packages. It was legit and, and grounded. And I think that as women, if we just think bigger, you know, for ourselves, our businesses, our finances, and start asking those better questions as we raise our standards, like, how can this happen? How can we make a certain amount of money? How can we pay for our desires in a financially healthy way? Um, then we get better answers and better results. 
So if that was a financial miracle, what would have been a financial mistake, a big mistake yes. that really was a life lesson for you? Yes. Um, I'll share this one. I don't think I wrote about this one in the book. So I had, first of all, there have been, I've gotten a lot right and I've had a lot of successes, but of course there have been so many quote unquote failures along the way. I no longer look at them that way, though my accountant does. So I think that's what you're getting at. So let me share that with you. Um, I had a dream of starting an online magazine and you can still see it at divineliving.com. Click on the magazine tab. And it was this beautiful, it was a luxury magazine for women entrepreneurs. And I had this vision for it and it was beautiful and the whole thing. Well, it was also very expensive to produce. It wasn't hard to produce. It was a lot of fun and it was like some of the best years of my life in business, but it became a very expensive hobby. I thought that if I put enough of this great and beautiful content out in the world, that my programs would just sell virally and that it would sort of be, a, you know, worth it financially. And what I, so anyways, I did it for what, about th two to three, three years. And all in all, it was probably about a seven figure investment when you really tallied up all the salaries and all the travel and all the, the all of it. And, um, and I had, to, I just, had to shut it down. Like my husband and my CFO came to me and they were like, cause I kept saying, wait, wait, just give me another. And it was like, you know, it was just burning money. And so I was heartbroken. I was like, how can I be this woman who teaches wealth consciousness and, and, um, spiritual principle and follow your desires. And I did all of that and it didn't work out financially. That's what I was, the story was telling myself. And, I think that when you're really a queen about your business, that you can take an objective look and really get the lessons. So I'm not saying that I'm done with this magazine. It'll, it'll come back because I loved it that much, but it's going to come back in a whole different way. So yes, yeah, some people look at it as an epic seven figure fail and, um, you know, and, and all the consequences that go with that. I didn't exactly have that kind of slush money just hanging around for burn money. So I, um, I had a physical office space at the time. I had to get rid of that. There were certain team members, you know, like it was, it was a real, at the time it was dark and scary and it felt like a real downfall and a real failure. But when I look at it now, and when I've talked to other investor friends of mine, they were like, Gina, it's not really a failure. You just kind of didn't know what you were doing. Like, you know, if you would have gone to investors, you would have had like a five year spend or whatever. And there'd be like a three year burn cycle. And like, that's, that would be normal in business. It's just, you know, you broke the cardinal rule of using your own money for it. So for things like, you know, I didn't have a strong enough, um, advertising strategy and financial plan and, you know, a lot of how I've gotten to where I've gotten in my business was relatively speaking, winging it. I'd have a great idea. I'd be super passionate. I'd go all in and it would work. Um, but this one, it, this had a bigger, hard costs. Um, it was it involved more people. It was, it was just a whole different thing and not looking back and, you know, not having a solid plan in place was really naive. Um, and so that was one of the things I learned. I didn't know because I've built my own company $5 at a time. I didn't know this concept about other using other people's money. So that was naive as well. And, 
I also, I let it hit my confidence so hard because I made it mean that like I was a failure, that people didn't like me rather than seeing it just wasn't a good business plan. So I think that was, those are some of the lessons that I learned from what I thought was an epic financial failure. Quite the MBA in publishing. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's for sure. I think my biggest, my biggest lesson is don't make certain things mean what they don't like, like that's what, you know, my biggest pain came from me making it seem like it was a failure. I didn't have what it took or people didn't like my product enough. And it was none of that. It was, I had to grow up in certain ways around business and that's okay. Gina DeVee, I'm looking forward to stepping into my queenhood. Thank you so much for writing this book, So Needed, The Audacity to Be Queen. I'm so glad this finally came to fruition. It's my great pleasure. And I do have a free gift for your listeners. If they would like for this time, it's completely free. You can go to divineliving.com forward slash epic gift. There's a whole bundle there for you to get you on your path to queenhood. There's the um, introduction and first chapter of the book, both audio and written format. And then there's a few other things in the bundle as well. You'll see them when you get there. So you can check it out at divineliving.com forward slash epic gift. Thanks so much to Gina for joining us. The book again is called The Audacity to Be Queen. You can learn more about it at divineliving.com forward slash book. All this information is on somoneypodcast.com, the audio, the transcript. And if you'd like to leave me a question for our Friday episodes, just click on Ask Farnoosh. And as you know, every Friday, I select one listener who's left a review on the iTunes review section to get a free 15 minute money session with me. So if you're into that, Would love to hear from you there. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. I hope your day is so money. 